0: Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. So last week uh, we began looking and talking about the concept of God. Bearing in mind that quote from the Tao Te Ching saying that the Tao is beyond words. The more you talk about it, the farther away you get. Only when you're truly unattached to words or to silence can you express the truth we looked last week at those two ways of approaching God from our minds and our hearts. And we saw that both are appropriate in the development of a greater understanding. But once we let go of the idea of God and come into the reality of God, we begin to see that God is not good or bad experiences. God comes to us, through all the things in life and asks us to respond from the depths of our lives rather than to our outer experience. There are are as many ideas about God as there are religions and people who participate in those religions. But each of us has only one opportunity to meet with the reality of God and that is through the direct experience in our own lives. Often in the spiritual life, we're looking for some sort of peak experience, like that described by Tracy in Pentecost, a rushing mighty wind, tongues of fire, miracles. We hear about these occurrences and we think, this is the way that I want to experience God. I want to go up a mountain, I want to meditate under a tree or wait for the light to descend. These are stories that enable us to have an understanding that there is more to life than what we see and feel. They inspire us to look and so seek something other than the material world around us. But those experiences should not be confused with the reality that happens within our daily existence. Each of us has our own lives and it's up to us to find the root of existence, the root of our existence within our lives. All the rest are just signposts that others have left on the way to finding their own reality, their experience of God or the divine, their ultimate truth. As we look at the Christian God or the Jewish God, the Islamic idea of God, the Tao, Buddhism, or any other idea, we have to remember that there are different, all those ideas are different to our own unique experience. And although they can help us in that we can look at them for signposting. It is our search individually that is the most important to help us. Wayne Teasdale, Thomas Keating's colleague, said, We are not of one mind, but we are of one heart. For me, the word that best describes this, being of one heart, is the word word. Pentecost, the birth of the Christian church when the Holy Spirit opened the minds and the hearts of Jesus' disciples, uniting them in a corporate mystical knowing that illumined their path during the fledgling days of the apostolic faith. Our own individual search for God is illumined by these stories. However, it's still very much up to us to follow the path that we individually are given. Each of us has our own stories. We all have our own little Pentecosts. I remember mine. It happened 42 years ago. I was sitting in a a, a room with a group of friends one evening. Not my house, somebody else's. And we were listening to some music and someone asked me if I played the guitar and I said I didn't and they said, well, why not try listening to the music and just see if you can play along? Well, when I reflect on it afterwards and think about this experience, the conclusion I came to was that somehow I'd focused on this music in such a way that it shut off all my other senses and as a result... I was somehow able to get beyond my mind's insistence as to what was real and what was not real. And so during what happened was a new dimension during that little experience opened up to me. What actually happened was that my perception of the nature of reality shifted dramatically. Whereas normally sort of I look out and I see people, I see everyone in a space, uh, that co- is contained by the, the periphery of my vision. That's how I normally look out and see things. Suddenly, I felt myself as a part of something infinitely greater than myself. I was a part of something that was much bigger than myself, that included everything else. It was as if I, I was a glove puppet and there was something hugely vast that was both containing me and everything that was around me. And I suddenly understood what it meant, that experience, to see the light. Not some ethereal understanding, but but actual light. In my experience, there was a light that was coming from behind me somewhere into my consciousness, and it manifested like tiny optical fibers that came through me and connected that light through me with everything else that was around me these fibers came through my eyes and everything that I saw in front of me felt connected in the room. Everything was made of light. That light came through my consciousness, created all that I saw in front of me and everything seemed to, the light seemed to disappear off into infinity. I felt I was part of something much bigger than myself. And whatever it was, it was creating me, And allowing me to see my connection through those optical fibres with everything else that was in the room. And when I was having that experience, it lasted a couple of hours, two things struck me. The first thing that struck me was that all things were interconnected. Not just in the sense that all things relate to each other, but also in that this light seemed to be a vehicle through which... All of this was manifesting. And secondly, the experience I had was that there was a greater being. Something was holding all of this together, an order. There was a fundamental order to life. And I was a part of that order. And so was everything that I was looking at. In an instant, in that instant, I recognized the experience exactly fitted the other experiences I'd read in books that, that people had had. And it's probably because of that particular Pentecost experience that I had that I'm standing here right now. It, it illumined my path, and it still illumines my path. And I'm sure many of you have had similar or different experiences. But they are not the actual reality of God. Like Pentecost, they illuminate the path that one has to tread. And the key thing is to keep treading the path. I remember that I had that experience in 1979. And it was not until 10 years later that I began to develop the spiritual practice that I needed in my life to begin to explore the reality that I had glimpsed. It was like I'd entered a huge cave in darkness and suddenly I was able to light a flaming torch and through that flaming torch I was able to see in all the dimensions of the cave that I was within but suddenly just as quickly as it illuminated the the flame quickly went out and i was back in darkness again for 10 years literally 10 years i felt my way round the cave trying to negotiate my place within it and the dimensions and all the corridors that went off the cave and everything that went up to make the reality that was that cave and then gradually As I developed my meditation practice, I began to see again. I started that practice 10 years later and I began to see again, but in a different way. I saw not with my eyes, but I began to see with my heart, like taking echo soundings. I took bearings on what was around me and gradually began to see that although I was still living in the darkness, of not seeing the light, I could sense that cave and my place within it. I began to feel my connection to everything and realized that this connection came not from my mind, but from my heart. And I also began to see at that point with my heart. We have to see the nature of reality with our hearts and not our minds the work of the heart is to provide that new illumination that the stories and the experiences that we encounter lead us towards those experiences those stories what other people tell us what we experience all enable our minds to grasp the possibilities and it's what we do next that's important. If we stay in our minds and just think about them or yearn for more stories and signs, we get nowhere. We stay where we are in the dark with our memories and our ideas about those thoughts, those experiences and those stories. We imagine what is based upon what we have experienced. Our minds paint the pictures. But if we manage to move into our hearts, then gradually a new way of seeing emerges. And this can take time. For me, I didn't really begin for 10 years. And then suddenly I knew it was time to start my own path, not to follow others down theirs. And I began my practice starting, as I've told you before, with the Lord's Prayer. That's how I began. And gradually, my heart opened in a new way. And gradually, the path again became illuminated. That was 32 years ago. And now I'm in a place where everything in my spiritual life happens from my practice. Everything that I do Everything that I engage with, hopefully, happens from my practice. All that I'm saying now, and that all all that you've ever heard me say here, comes from the illumination of the heart through practice. That new light that is not seen by the eyes or heard by the ears comes from the echo soundings of the heart. And it's led me to an understanding of reality that again has me intimately connected with everything around me. Everything that happens to me, good or bad, is there to enable me to respond with love and therefore make my contribution to the unfolding of the evolution of consciousness. Which means that Like the disciples at Pentecost, I am able to speak to people in their own language because it is not the language of the mind, it is the language of the heart, which is what I try to do here every week and what we try to do here at the chapel, to speak to people's hearts and not just their minds. Although the flame... Of stories and the experiences illuminates the cave of our lives, we have to find our own way to the reality of it. As it says in the Tao Te Ching, colors blind the eye, sounds deafen the ear, flavors numb the taste, thoughts weaken the mind, desires wither the heart. The master observes the world, but trusts his inner vision. He allows things to come and go. His heart is as open as the sky. That's why we need to find our own way around the cave, in that darkness, using our hearts. And then we realize that the reality all reality is actually within the darkness, even the darkness of the pain and sadness that is within our lives. We come to see that pain and sadness are just as valuable as happiness and joy as we feel our way around that cave. We see that if we take our experiences without judgment, they are our interface with the divine. That's why last week I asked you to look again, and this time begin to look without judgment, without a desire for one experience or another, without seeking one outcome or another, but just looking and encountering. The eye of the heart illumines the dimensions of the cave and shows us that everything that comes our way is unique to us. And it is the universe using these circumstances and experiences to elicit our response of love. That's the purpose of our experiences to elicit a response of love. And if we are truly willing to, to be living sacrifices, and that what happens to us is, is really a way of being made holy and responding by love, then we've truly found our purpose in life. And we can say that we have found God. Those epic words from Thomas Merton, God utters me like a word containing a partial thought of himself. God utters me like a word containing a partial thought of himself. A word can never comprehend the voice that uttered it. But if I'm true to the concept that God utters in me, if I'm true to the thought of him I was meant to embody, I shall be full of his actuality and find him everywhere in myself and find myself nowhere. I shall be lost in him. That is, I shall find myself. I shall be saved. If we listen to our hearts, they tell us, how we're connected to everything else. Our hearts will tell us that, that our enemy is but the shadow that we ourselves cast on the world, that each of our lives are unique and that what we do matters in the context of each and every situation because we're linked to everything around us, including God and all that's divine. The truth that our hearts tell us is that we are not in the cave. The truth that our hearts tell us is that we are not in the cave, but the cave is actually within us. Our hearts tell us that we are not in the cave, but the cave is within us. We contain the cave. The cave does not contain us. And everything is one. And the divine can act through us so that others who come into the cave can more quickly open their hearts to that reality through the work that we've done on ourselves. Our love frees those around us into their reality. That is the nature of the encounter with God that I was talking about last week. We're brushing up against God. We're encountering God in every moment of our lives. But because we're looking from our minds and not our hearts we can't see it normally which is why it's so important to develop the way of the heart why we have to repair ourselves so that we can begin we can begin to see in the dark and not run from the experiences that seem to us to be uncomfortable the interesting thing is that all this enables us to know our place within the reality of things And see that reality as it truly is, rather than seeing the surface reality that our mind perceives. Our search for God only really begins when we've grasped our place in the world and how the cave is within us rather than we being within the cave. And it's now that we can use the portal that we've opened up between us and the reality within which we have life to explore. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. So um, we're going to just have a bit of a chat now. If you want to ask a question or share an experience at all, there's a microphone there. Just go up to the microphone and uh, we'll come to you if you want you to do that. Uh, just make that uh, available. But I, I just think it's so interesting that um, you know we spend so much of our lives... You know, looking for particular experiences. You know, particularly in in the consumery aspect of the of the whole spiritual game, the whole idea that one is looking for a particular experience or one looking uh, for a particular way of feeling, and that that idea that actually it's all this is it and this is all there is is you know you hear that said a lot, but it's it's quite a difficult concept to grasp, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's, a, it's important to get that we, we can't attain an experience. It's not something in our power to do that. But what we can do, and this is one of my favorite lines from James Finley, yeah. is that what we can do is assume an inner stance that offers the least resistance to being overtaken by whatever, having whatever experience, yeah. and which is the nature of practice. Um, so therefore, our whole life becomes about cultivating our, our beings so that, it, you know, to assume that an inner stance that offers the least resistance to that, um, that puts us in a place of humility and expectation and wonder. And and then, so then it just becomes about um, learning how to live in that abiding awareness of what we've kind of fleetingly glimpsed. Yeah. Like we all have our fleeting moments of insight or whatever. Um But we can't stay there. Like It never stays, does it? No. And so then we just have to ground it back into something and learn to live there in a more kind of habituated way.
0: Yeah. And to me, that's what it means. That's what the whole idea of radical acceptance means, is is recognising that actually, you know, that lovely quote from Romans, you know, all things count for good for those that love the Lord. Um, uh, The idea that everything that comes to us It's not everything that comes to us is good, you know. It's everything that comes to us, we can actually have it be of good, uh, that we can actually create love from it. Yeah, it's like everything is useful. Yeah, that's it.
1: Every experience is useful, whether it's good or whether we judge it to be good or bad or whatever. But anything can be used to turn it into love kind of
0: thing. And that's what this concept of, of being living sacrifices comes from. It always sounds a bit, you know, got to go and be in a monastery for the rest of our lives, type thing. You know, the idea it comes up a number of times in the New Testament. The idea of us, of, of people, becoming living sacrifices. But actually, what, it, what it, you know, I've said this before, I know, but but you know, the idea that the word sacrifice is sacrificio, which means made holy. So all it is is allowing life. To make us holy, giving life permission to make us holy by having the stance that we're able to respond to life in a holy way seems to me, and then we become that which we aspire to.
1: Yeah, and just um, realizing that any ex- any wonderful experience we have, you know, like like your experience in seventy nine, yeah. all these things are are moments of grace. You know, they're given, They're a gift. They're given to us. Yeah. And we can just live in that sort of expectant waitingness. Um, and they'll happen. But the thing is, if we're not, if we're not conscious, we miss them.
0: <laughs> yes. We
1: won't have them. So it's about learning to be conscious, isn't
0: it? Yes. And what takes us away from it? If we're searching for something, say we're searching for God, you know, all our life is spent searching for it. Actually, what we're asked to do is not search for God, we're asked to become God, to, to allow ourselves to be taken over by that divine. And then we find it, you know, God asks me like a word containing a partial thought of himself, those Merton words. And when I allow that to happen, then I find myself full of God and I, I am saved.
1: I've just thought of that other line from Thomas Merton. that um, This is so touching, really. With, with God, a little sincerity goes a long way.
0: <laughs> with God, a little sincerity goes a long way. That's very good. Well, listen, we've had, I've mentioned the Lord. I've mentioned being saved. We'll have an altar call, perhaps. (laughs) First at the Aspen Chapel. (laughs) Give your life to the Lord. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.